this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 77 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I have all of my regular segments in store, but I'd like to start out by announcing the winner from last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the show notes on my blog for episode 76 was entered to win the book Follow the Yarn by Reba Linker, along with that lovely skein of snow-capped yarns from Cordova, Alaska. I randomly chose between the commenters, and I'm happy to announce that the winner of this lovely prize is Leanne, or S-T-I-L-E-S-L-E-A, on Ravelry. I always spell it when I don't know how to say it. So congratulations, Leanne. I'll be in touch with you shortly, and I'll be getting your shipping information and be mailing this prize on out to you really soon. And to everyone else who entered, I really, really, really appreciate your support and your participation. So thank you very much. And I wanted to mention, for those of you who are still interested in the snow-capped yarns from Alaska that I talked about on the last episode, I did just check out the Netloff website, and there is indeed a new collection of colorways that just came out. It's called Old Salt, and these are marine-inspired tonal colorways that are just really, really pretty. So I will put a link in the show notes to this new collection, and I hope you'll check it out. So the last time I recorded, I talked about my drama with my new sweater and the baubles. And since that episode, I've gotten quite a lot of feedback from you knitters, which I really appreciate. Although some were rather complacent regarding the issue of baubles, I heard from many knitters who had a strong negative reaction to the knitting of baubles, or a reaction to how they looked on the knitted fabric. There was some positive feedback, but I would say that most of it was indeed negative. So this kind of solidifies this fact in my mind. Poor baubles. They're just not very popular among knitters. Good to know. So thanks everyone who took the time to offer their feedback on that very, very important issue. So since my unfortunate bobble experience with my sweater, I am sad to report that I have indeed had more sad knitting encounters since that time. In the last episode, I thought I was pretty much done with the knitting for my new book, but circumstances changed and that ended up not being the case. I've recently needed to knit parts of a sweater sample as well as that beastly lace shawl that I mentioned in episode 73. You know the one. You know that one I said I'd never knit again? Well, I'm knitting it again. The first rather unfortunate thing that happened involved the sweater. I was knitting up both sweater fronts 
and I was so pleased when I finished the first one in only about a day and a half. I was feeling so speedy and so accomplished. Now this was a sweater front with a pocket and a little lace inset pattern, mind you. Now when I got to work on the second sweater front, and I, when I finished the second pocket, I made the terrible realization that the two pockets did not match. On the first pocket, I accidentally forgot to work a few rows that I had included in the pattern. It was really a really, really, really dumb mistake. But anyways, the pocket itself was shorter than it should have been, and it really didn't look as good as it could have been. It didn't really look right. So then came the grueling decision. Do I take the easy way out here? Do I rip out the second pocket to match the first incorrect pocket? Even though it didn't look right? Even though it didn't look as good as it should have? Or do I rip out that entire first front of the sweater that I completed and remake that first pocket to match the second? That first night that I realized the problem, I was not prepared to make that call. It was just, I was too close to the situation at that point, too emotionally invested, and I was pretty irritated about the whole thing. So I just kind of put it away for the night and decided instead to indulge in a little private, you know, pity party. So after sleeping on the situation and looking at the sweater again in the light of a new day, I consulted a friend and in talking to my friend realized what I had to do. I knew that the second pocket looked much better than the first and I could never be completely happy with a sweater if I didn't rip out that first pocket and make it right. I don't know if anybody else would have noticed on the finished sweater if I didn't fix it, but I know I would have noticed, and I didn't want to be reminded of that every time I looked at the sweater. So I'm sure you can guess what I did next. Took out the needles that those shoulder stitches were being held on, and I ripped down that entire sweater front. I don't know, like a million rows or something. All the way down to that pocket near the beginning of the cast on edge, and started all over again. It was painful. It was truly, truly painful, but I'm glad I did it. It looks way better now and I'm happy with it. But my gosh, I just can't tell you how much I hate ripping out my knitting. To me, all of those wasted stitches represent seconds of time. The rows represent minutes. The inches of fabric represent hours. Hours of knitting time. For nothing. Just wasted. Hours I could have spent being productive, accomplishing something. As you can probably tell, I'm definitely a product knitter, not a process knitter. It's not that I don't enjoy the process of knitting, but I'm just all about the result. That beautiful finished garment. I love to finish and accomplish things. So the second unfortunate knitting occurrence came a little while later, maybe like a week later. Our family recently adopted a kitten, maybe about a month ago, and ever since that time, I've been becoming increasingly ever more aware that the age-old connection between cats and yarn is not simply 
a stereotype. To say that my kitten loves my yarn and knitting would be a gross understatement. And I really learned this lesson a few evenings back. I foolishly left my lace shawl project out of my nightstand in a pretty yarn bowl beside my bed. I left the room and was absolutely horrified when I came back into the room to find it missing. Now the ball of yarn was still in the yarn bowl, but my lace shawl was not. Instead, there was a long strand of yarn stretched across the room. One side connecting to the yarn ball, and the other, I hoped, was still connected to the shawl. If there even was a shawl left at this point. At that moment, I kind of felt like I was walking into a crime scene of sorts. I knew something terrible had happened, but I wasn't quite sure what. I knew I should follow the trail of clues, or in this case, the yarn, to the other side of the bed to see what I could find out. But part of me just didn't want to. I didn't know what I would find on the other side of the bed. In my mind, I was imagining a grisly scene. Would the shawl be pulled on? Scratched to death? Torn beyond recognition? Dismembered? Please recall that I went into the second shawl project rather begrudgingly. I struggled so much with designing it a few months ago that I wasn't exactly excited to work on it again. Secondly, I'm talking about a delicate lace shawl with soft, single-ply, thin, delicate yarn and lots of holes for tiny kitten claws to snag on. I wasn't expecting this story to end well, and the idea of having to rip out and re-knit all of my hard work again after the incident with my sweater was really just too much for me to handle. Finally, I gathered up the courage. With one eye half open, I peeked around the side of the bed where the shawl lay and gingerly examined its remains. Unfortunately, some yarn was chewed through, but the shawl survived the attack, relatively unscathed, to my great surprise and relief. The strand of yarn connecting the shawl to its yarn ball seemed to endure the brunt of the attack, as there were a few chewed up yarn pieces lying around, but the shawl itself seemed surprisingly kind of okay. Just a few minor injuries, some drop stitches, a frayed tail, not too bad. It definitely could have been worse. Now that I know of the danger lurking out there, I am not taking any chances. Now all of my knitting projects are staying safe and sound in the confines of my knitting bag, out of harm's way. But hey, I don't mean to be such a complainer. It's not all bad with my knitting. I'm almost done with these projects, and I'll actually be ready to do the photography for Botanical Knits 2 at the end of January, and I'm super excited about that. It seems like a book project always comes together quite quickly once the photography is completed. So I'll be sure to keep everyone informed and updated regarding the book progress. But as of now, if everything goes right, it looks as though this book will be available to pre-order in maybe March of next year. 
I'm hoping. So thank you again so much for all of your patience with me. So in today's show, I have a lovely knitting book to share with all of you entitled Lit Knits, 10 Literature-Inspired Knits by Audrey Nicklin. You may recognize Audrey from her pattern line on Ravelry under the name of Bear's Ears or her design work in Twist Collective. She did a lovely shawl for Twist Collective a few years back that had the constellations made up in the lace stitches and I got to see it in person at Stitches West last year and it was really, really cool. I'm going to look up the name of that shawl and put it in the show notes for you so you can check it out too. So anyway, I met Audrey a few years back on Ravelry when she knit my gnarled oak cardigan and then later at a couple of trade shows. And I must say, she is a very talented young girl and I'm ultra impressed with her new book. This book, Lit Knits, is Audrey's first book and it's entirely self-published. Audrey, of course, designed all 10 pieces for her book but she also did her own photography and book layout, which is pretty impressive. The theme of this book is great. It contains 10 knitwear designs inspired by 10 pieces of classic literature, stories that most of us are familiar with, such as Black Beauty, Anne of Green Gables, The Secret Garden, or Treasure Island, to name just a few. Also, each garment design is carefully thought out and its inspiration is obvious. Audrey really paid attention to the book theme and to details, and she tied her pieces and photographs into the theme whenever possible. I really was taken with the beautiful photography in this book, and also her careful use of authentic props. It's very cool. The projects in the book are lovely. There's a fabulous green cabled sweater featured on the front, and also a beautiful blanket pattern in the book, and of course several accessories. It's an all-around beautiful publication. I'm really quite impressed with Audrey's work here, and I invite all of you to check it out for yourselves. I'll be providing a link to the projects from the book on Ravelry so you can learn more about each one of them, as well as to Audrey's website where the book can be purchased. Additionally, I'll be giving away a signed copy of Lit Knits provided by Audrey in this episode's drawing giveaway. So if you'd like to enter to win this copy for yourself, please leave a comment under this episode's show notes on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. You will have until January 15th to enter to win, and the winner will be announced on the following episode. Also, I have a little surprise for you. Another knitting story, this time contributed by Audrey Nicklin herself. I invite you to please listen as she shares her story, entitled, X Marks the Spot. This is a story of how sometimes X really does mark the spot. When I was designing for Lit Knits, I read each book before designing the knit. I wanted to be sure to get the most iconic part of the book into the knit. And after reading Treasure Island, I knew that the most important part of the book was the map. 
So when I was designing the Sail to Treasure Island blanket, I decided that it needed to look just like a treasure map. From the outside in, there would be ocean bordering the sand that would lead into the forest, and in the center would be the mountains. And like a true treasure map, X would mark the spot. It took me quite some time to get all these elements to flow into each other, but as soon as I had drawn up the pattern, I immediately started knitting. The thing about this blanket is that it is knit with a bulky weight yarn, and it is knit from the center out, which means it gets larger and larger and warmer and warmer over time. In the winter, this is the perfect project. It keeps your lap warm and snugly as you knit it. I, however, was knitting the sample in summer. So I just got hotter and hotter. Each round added more weight and more warmth. At around the same time as the blanket was nearing completion, Scooter decided to come over to help. Scooter is my dog, and he has a particular appreciation for knits. He loves laying on knits and yarn and roving and everything fuzzy and everything he's not supposed to touch. If something is blocking, he'll try to sneak over when you aren't looking and lay on it as it's drying. It's a complete mystery to me as to why he likes to do this. This dog doesn't even like getting his feet wet. Scooter has particularly good taste, too. If there are several skeins of yarn out, he'll lay on the most expensive one. And since Scooter loves knit blankets so much, I've made him a pair. He has one out of acrylic and one out of a super wash wool. Now, as I was knitting this large wool blanket, Scooter came along and decided that this was the perfect place to lay down. And the big middle section that was laying on my lap was where he decided to settle. And he chose this blanket despite having his very own blanket knit out of the exact same yarn. I kept encouraging him that maybe he'd like to go sit on his own blanket, and he kept insisting on sitting in my lap in the blanket. For him, X clearly marked the spot. Eventually, I did manage to finish the blanket, even with all of his assistance. Fast forward to New Year's Day of this year. My brother agreed to be the model for the blanket, or rather, my mum helped him agree to being the model for the blanket. And although it had been extremely hot while I was knitting the blanket, it ended up being extremely cold while photographing it. The whole family packed up and made a day of it. We went out to the beach to get proper Treasure Island-themed pictures. We chose a beach that had a rocky outcropping with a little hidden area, something that seemed particularly piratey. Part of the shoot involved a large black sea chest. You wouldn't expect there to be people out at the beach on such a cold day, but there were quite a few. And as it turns out, if you haul a large black sea chest down a beach in the middle of winter, people don't even pretend that they are not staring. One guy watched us drag the chest the whole quarter of a mile down the beach. I'm not even sure he blinked. Less than 15 minutes after we arrived, everyone's feet went numb. My brother and I even had a numb foot contest, where we compared at which point we couldn't feel our feet. I think I won, but in the end, who's really a winner in a numb foot contest? He was thrilled to be modeling a blanket, though. After getting a few full shots of the blanket, he wrapped himself up in it and hunkered down. 
I think it's funny that in the pictures, it looks like he's having a pretty good time. And you can't tell that we were all shivering the whole time. We finished up the photo shoot by getting some pictures of the blanket, along with an old copy of Treasure Island, my grandfather's compass, and a real piece of eight that was in his coin collection. The phrase piece of eight was popularized in Treasure Island, so I thought it was pretty neat to be able to work that into the picture. As I lay all three items out over the blanket, I struggled to make the picture look balanced. I kept arranging and rearranging the book, the compass, the coin, all around the X in the blanket. But it kept looking way too busy. Too scattered. It just wasn't working. Eventually, I came to the conclusion that the book needed to be placed on top of the X. Because, as always, X marks the spot. Thank you again, Audrey, so much for contributing your story. What I really liked about Audrey's story is hearing how much Audrey's family was involved in the process of her book. I thought that was really sweet. So anyways, I hope that all of you listening enjoyed hearing from Audrey as well. And if while you were listening, you thought of your own personal knitting story that you'd like to share, I invite you to please get in contact I'd love to hear your story and possibly share it on a future episode. So as a reminder, the show notes for this episode, as well as all episodes of Never Not Knitting, can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry under the name Never Not Knitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please feel free to email me. My email address is nevernotknitting at gmail.com. So that pretty much wraps up today's episode. I really, again, appreciate you joining me, and I hope that you'll join me again at the end of January for episode 78. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking from morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. There's yarn in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's
Megan's bacon. Her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.